0: Hello everyone, you're listening to the belly Dance Live podcast. I'm your host Jana Komarnicka, and I'm thrilled to share a new portion of Dance Inspiration with you. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes. And if you are a regular listener, welcome back. Please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening. They really help me promote the show and spread awareness about Baladance art form. Plus, I really like Hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, a meeting place for committed dance enthusiasts of all levels. Most of our members shared that the club helped them to improve consistency in their training, meet new dance friends, and discover various topics through hundreds of different tutorials. This is definitely a belly dance training that becomes a lifestyle. Learn more at YanaDanceClub.com, link in the show notes, or simply visit yana and try for seven days, for free. We all love belly dance. That's without doubt that's probably one of the reasons why you are listening to this podcast. But we also know that there is so much more beyond belly dance in this field and this art form. And today I suggest to hear Parts of the stories of people who really fall in love with folkloric dances of not only Middle East but Near East in general, and they either switched from ballet dance, from oriental dance to specialize in the folklore, or they became very active in it along together with belly dance, or they found a way or inspiration to bring some elements of folklore into their belly dance. so all this is waiting for you in our today's episode it's people who are really inspired by folklore of different Near East countries and today you will hear from Apsara, Nadel Masriya, Samantha Bernstein and Gigi Dilshak and I would even say the folklore of the Near East and North Africa so Are you ready to hear it? I think we are ready to jump in. You know how many guests we had previously on this podcast sharing how much their experience with BDE pushed their dance career. You can have it too. Join one of the BDE experience intensives and get the training and experience of performing in lead and ensemble roles open for aksharki and fusion styles. Details and training materials for the casting are available at www.joinbde.com. Direct link in the show notes, joinbde.com. You mentioned that when you first time saw Persian dance video, uh, you felt like its aesthetic is is yours like it's uh, close to you and you liked it and you decided you want to go and study more what specifically caught your attention what is different about Persian
1: dance that made you feel like oh I want to, to dance it to study it um, it's a difficult question uh, well for sure it's about it's light light and fluid movement and big focus on arms I was actually trying to trace Back to I don't know my my early experiences with art or anything why why am I exactly attracted to Persian dance because I couldn't even describe it for myself I couldn't even find find it out myself. I was just enchanted by this dance and didn't know why <laughs> and actually that's that's a f funny funny thing because like I don't know two years ago i I was re rewatching different. Uh, cartoons from my childhood from disney movies to different series and something and i realized that when i was a kid i used to love superhero cartoons like the x-men i don't know all these kind of characters and the the female characters of the of those uh, cartoons they would always have like dramatic arm gestures when they were using their superpowers and as a small kid because a small kid i was I was always hoping that, oh, maybe someday my superpowers will manifest as well, <laughs> and I realized that a lot of a lot of art gestures, movements, and things like that in Persian dance actually look very similar to the gestures of the superheroes from from cartoons I watched uh, as a I don't know eight or nine year old so I, I know that those, those times, they actually influenced a lot my, my imagination because I, I used to always be a very creative kid. Either I was either, either writing stories or listening to music and imagining video clips. How could we make a video clip with the music? And I guess that somehow went like that somehow influenced my, my aesthetics and my idea on what kind of dances do I like? But also the the thing that I love about Persian dance is uh, well the first thing that draws me to the to that dance is exactly its fluidity it's very princess like atmosphere very uh, like femininity but a different kind of femininity than uh, what I experienced from belly dancing or Indian dance the subtle kind of girly femininity I would call it girly femininity instead of uh, the a uh, sensual femininity mm-hmm. which uh, i i connect more uh, my personality my character connects more with with the girly femininity because first i i discovered that uh, what i call neoclassical persian dance that it's like commonly called classical dance uh, classical persian dance but after studying in during studying in San Francisco i i realized that actually there is a huge variety of uh, iranian dances not only among the solo improvised dance but also the the folkloric dances the the ritualistic dances the um, dances of of different historical period and i'm not only talking about uh, about the i don't know Safavi times Qajar times and so on but also if you if you look if you actually look at the 20th century and the tendencies of uh, dance in in different decades of 20th century in Iran if you look at the old videos actually you can see that there were a little different aesthetics for i don't know 1970s 1980s 1990s i mean 1990s the uh, outside of Iran of course but Iranian dances are like a huge box full of different techniques. And I, I realize that I love every single of them. I love the um, coquetry of uh, Qadjeri dance. I love the lively, happy folkloric dances. I love the summer and all the whirling and more spiritual dance. I love, and I of course love the neoclassical style, which gives a lot of freedom for including your own elements, your own movements, your own um, ideas within the frame of Persian aesthetics. So the thing that I love about Iranian dance is that uh, depending on my mood, I can either... um, do folkloric dance if I'm like if I have a very highly energetic move, mood and I want to just express my joy or I can connect with the audience by this qajar kereshme coquetry or I can become a beautiful princess on the huge stage dancing the neoclassical style.
2: Like for me I was always uh, sort of like the dancer of the family even though everybody dances but I was the one that when there's a party, everybody waited for me to stand up and dance, and like you know, pushed me. Hey, yalla, show us this dance, show us this dance, and stuff like that. Uh, but for the training itself, um, it was the um, to, to to be. Uh, to be like your idol, like for me at that time was like Farida Fahmi, of course. Like it was mm-hmm. like, I just want to be on stage like her and that flowing movement and that beauty and uh, probably also the respect that came with that, uh, with the folklore truth, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that didn't really happen with the Oriental dance itself. Like it was like all families would sit down and watch Farida Fahmi and respect her, you know, and, uh, and watch the movies over and over and over. So all that kind of made me, Feel like I want to be on stage too. I want to do the same thing, you know. I wanna, I want to do the same footwork. So I used to actually just memorize her footwork, like I would just uh, from from the TV, you know, from like uh, the Garang Karnak and all the, and probably every single folkloric uh, dancer have started the same way as exactly as I'm saying. You're probably gonna hear this story from all of us. <laughs> You but know. you were
0: mostly you focusing know. on folklore dance, not, not
2: oriental. Yes, yes, yes. Like of course the the rasa Shari, we all danced it at home. Like it was like that's what we danced at home is uh, is rasa Shari, mm-hmm. oriental dance, you know. But folklore dance was like is fascinating because that's more complicated and more footwork and more it's more intelligent and and and, uh, and the setup you know
0: it's so interesting that you're telling is because in more than like belly dance world like when we are talking about students who learn who are not from egypt who just learn belly dance there is a lot of always resistance to learning folklore and it's like not official, but in many minds it's considered something simpler like the orientalism and now hearing from you completely opposite and yeah. you as a representative of culture who grew up and like yeah. saying that folklore is much more
2: difficult that's very yes. interesting yes yes absolutely because um i mean i don't even need to do to defend that element because if you think about every single artist who is an oriental dancer either She started learning folklore first and then became an Oriental dancer, or she started in cabarets and then after that hired a trainer to train her and give her the footwork. Mm. Because they all understood that without understanding the element of the, the type of the dance, you cannot grow in it. You will only be doing the three quarter, you know, three quarter square. Uh, dance, which is, is muscles and, um, and textures and feelings, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But folklore gives you more of a stage covering uh, footwork. Like nowadays, we're fascinated with all modern dance, like modern, modern oriental dance. It's not modern. It's all folkloric based. Bring me any of the new artists that is dancing now and look at their footwork related straight to folklore. Mm-hmm. Every single move, you know? Like why we have the Estarad, which is the beginning of a mise en is so fascinating now, instead of just chané, Shané, Shané, chané, right? Is because they have taken so many elements from folklore. Arabesque, Paris, all this stuff is all from Egyptian folklore, which is, of course, from the legendary Mahmoud Rida. Every single one that is successful and appealing, to, especially to the Western culture, you know with the speed and the too much travel and stuff like that is because they're completely inspired or or originally based on the Egyptian folklore. without that what what would we do like what would we do would be would be the entire song standing um you know doing melodic movement and some shimmies. That's it. There's no inter interactive uh, motions of display on stage.
0: I kind of feel that's such a shame that in today's ballet training we kind of skip this layer because I was. Me as a foreign, let mm-hmm. non-Arabic dancer who was trained in Ukraine originally and then later travel workshops, I kind of felt we skip this layer, this part of training explanations. Okay. We right away learn those steps as an oriental a ballad yeah. and steps. Yeah. And there is a lot of resistance going and learn some folkloric, folkloric steps and you start like yeah, I know this step from my belly dance class, but no, it's actually opposite. It comes from folklore.
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a shame. It's a it's a very. Uh, I think it's a shame because international and um, dancers from all over the world now they're fascinating. their Their skills are fascinating, but I feel like they hit roadblock. Like I say, mm. a roadblock where they just stopped right there and there's no more development and I really think and a true believer it's because of folklore because when you when you build a one floor house that does not have a foundation you cannot go beyond that one floor that's nice comparison right but if you have a good strong foundation you have so much to offer the world like you have so much information that it's enough for another hundred years to come. Mm. You probably, I'll probably be dead before I I give all what I have inside inside my head. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's because the foundation is strong. I have so many ideas. You know, I have so many repertoires. I have so many um, uh, character. I have so many. You know, and it's all I thank for, for it. I thank for, for it because it taught me so much. It taught me a very intelligent footwork. It taught me understanding the differentiation between a movement in Oriental, in, in Ras al-Shar'i, versus in folklore. The character changing between a modern, a modern Cairo woman, right, versus a different city in Egypt, a different city. Even within Cairo itself, the variation of different character and stories, right? Okay. Like, all this is the culture and the folkloric aspect of it. How, how, how am I supposed to, and this is something I always ask dancers, how are you supposed to um, do a and drop dead gorgeous, absolutely stunning mise en if you don't understand the characteristic behind the music that you're dancing to? because this music comes from a cultural perspective, comes from folklore. Yeah. If I'm going to do a little bit of Saidi there, it wouldn't be worth it to understand who is the Saidi woman, what her fo- floor footwork look like, what, uh, you know, what, or at least what's the representation of her. Like we understand the real character in real life, but also we understand the representation of her on stage, what it, what it looks like.
0: You are now only specializing in folklore. So how was that transition? <laughs> because now you don't do belly dance. No,
3: I've stopped that. I fill in the odd class, like teaching a belly dance class. Uh, but I don't perform. I haven't for a few years and I don't really organize classes of that anymore. Like I'm not really active in that. But for me, ret- the, the getting into the, uh, the more folkloric styles, for me, it wasn't so much a transition as coming full circle because my original interest after I'd seriously studied modern dance was, uh, I'd left modern dance to go into, I I was sort of searching for other forms of dance that weren't, you know, where there was this connection with the audience that I wasn't finding in more Western Mm -hmm. modern dance or what they call that third wall, you know, where they're performing. And I had there was a, that, that that there was a point where I was doing a little bit of flamenco. I did some Indian Kathak dance, and then I got into West African dance. And so I was already more interested in sort of the, I don't want to say ethnic dance, but dances of from different countries around the world, and not so much this Western art dance. Um, I wanted that connection. So at one point, it ended up discovering more, you know, Arabic dance, Egyptian specifically. My first teacher was Egyptian. And, um, Denise and Anne in the Ottawa area, Gatineau area. Uh, and, um, and I think probably at that point there was a branch where I was really interested in the culture and the earthy sort of folky styles. And she was a folk, my teacher was a former folkloric dancer of the Komeya troupe from Egypt, who's in Canada now. Um, and, um, and then somehow I feel like I got into the more belly dance, like the glitzy, glamoury style, which was okay. never fully my style. Um, and so when I re- got back into other styles of dance, like after, you know, being more in the more glamorous, <laughs> um, blinged out uh, belly dancer world, to me, getting back into my interest of the, I don't want to say the, some of the other cultural styles of other countries around, you know, the Minat region. And also it was more of like a coming home to me. So it wasn't like I, it was like a return to what I was always mm. interested in. Um So it wasn't like, Oh, now this is new. It was like actually coming back, just discovering other regions that I was more interested in. Uh, and I really wanted to dive into. So for me it was like a natural uh, full circle, if I want to call it. And, um, and also, during that whole time, I'd been doing a, a degree in anthropology with my specific focus, interest was in dance ethnology. So I did a degree in anthropology so I could study dance. And uh, in that time, I'd done different projects on different elements of usually Middle Eastern dance, because that's what my interest was in North African. So to me, coming back to the more folky dances of the people, I will call them, uh, you know, it was just a sort of natural, natural sort of... Return to what I was interested, in and more diving into the, the, that cultural element. Not that belly dance doesn't have that, but it wasn't for me. It was never about just the performance and the stage. It was always returning back to the culture. So that was has always been my main interest. Mm. So it just felt like a total natural. And at just some point, I just got so obsessed that I left more of the Oriental dance to the side. It just wasn't there's so much to discover, <laughs> and I don't... So it just was a natural thing for me. It wasn't, a, like, a new thing. Mm-hmm. Styles are new. I discovered new styles that I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know about this, or new regions that I didn't know and I needed to explore for myself. But for me, it's fairly natural. Like, it's, it's always been what I've done, sort of. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: but it's interesting, like, it's... Uh, but, I mean, by transition, I mean not exactly, like discovering something new and anything yeah. like that i i was more thinking like how you got from ballet dance like you mentioned that your first teacher was egyptian style and probably she brought some folklore mm-hmm. yeah. elements to it uh, because i find in different countries there are different styles of teaching like uh for instance in ukraine when i was studying ballet dance it was literally like just one class ballet dance like those beginners intermediate advanced mm-hmm. that's it and if teacher decides that next semester you are teach, you are learning Tunisian folklore as your main choreography of the semester, you are doing it. No, yes. Unless you're going and switching studio. In Canada, I don't know in those years, but like now, for instance, mm-hmm. I see, and I don't, I think it's in many other countries, they have like, uh, Beledin's technique level one, balladins technique level like four, five, six, mm-hmm. then uh, technique with then then uh, folklore, then class with a props. Right. So, it's too many choices and then people usually they don't go to folklore class. If they come to yeah. balladance studio, the general students, they go to balladance class or technique or choreography mm-hmm, yeah. or props. Like folklore is usually one of the last choices they do. Yeah. Not always, but usually. Yeah. So I was more curious how like um. because I know we talked <laughs> just yeah. recently that you were really obsessed with balladance at some point. So yeah. if you can tell a little bit about that time of your life and how even being super obsessed and successful as a performer, like you had so many gigs uh, as a ballet dancer, how did it came to the point that now you actually don't do ballet? You're very successful in folklore style, but uh, I think for many dancers, ballet dancers who are obsessed currently with ballet dancers, like, what do you mean to stop doing ballet dance and just do folklore? So how do this interest in folklore uh, grow and why you did like Mm -hmm. why wasn't it going together belly dance and folklore yeah
3: and it did actually so it's not like one day i stopped like i'm gonna stop everything belly dance and oriental dance and just do this there was several years where it overlapped you know so um and even when i was a belly dancer i think I think I did. I loved classical Arabic uh, music, you know, and all the Abdel Halim and all this. But uh, I think what people would probably remember me for was more more ballady style, my more side. Like I was definitely more of an earthy dancer. It's just how I've been as a trained as a modern dancer and at West African dancer. I was very earthy. So that was generally natural, natural for me already. But there were many years where it overlapped. So I would start to like, I started doing my research I was researching things and I was still doing like you know gigging at some club on Friday night like totally belly dance um and I think there were many years where it overlapped and then I think I started to be drawn to other musics too you know you go to a club and you're like what is this kind of music like you know these hearing different things and and then needing to know more about it and then learning more about some style that is like oh my gosh you know because sometimes I knew there was all these other things, but like the Egyptian Lebanese belly dance world and especially Egyptian, sometimes we don't get exposed as immediately, depending on who our teachers are and where we are and all these things. You're like, well, this is this is what it is, you know, but then there's so much more. And so I, I did I think moving to this city where I'm in now, Montreal, I started to hear other musics, too and it really piqued my curiosity and I was like what is this these rhythms there was a lot of North African influence that I was like wow this is different I love this what are these rhythms so you know exploring going to clubs I'm like why are the my god this dances these people are dancing differently and it was not like Lebanese which I was used to for example because most of the clubs where I'd been in previously so there were many years where it started to overlap and I was like okay I'm doing my gigs uh you know cabaret (laughs) belly dance set and then i But then I'd be like, okay, well, I'm learning about this. And so there was a lot of years where it overlapped. But then there was a point where, first of all, I didn't want to, like, I was leaving the performance. I didn't want to perform every weekend and all this whole thing about belly dance. And then it just seemed like my own artistic needs were like, I just need to go deeper into these other things. Um, And it it just was like a natural, like, one sort of started to dominate and then the other just kind of... You know, and when I sort of stopped oriental dancing more, it wasn't like now only because I was doing folklore. There's other reasons also because it's always, you know, it was like taking up my whole weekends, uh, every, you know, performing after 15 years of performing, you know, a lot of weekends out of your life and I had no life. And there's a lot of reasons that I slowed down on it. And then it just, so then I started the troupe. Um, of a folklore troupe to really company troupe to start to really be able to dedicate myself to it and then I just like I just was like obsessed and the oriental dance like as I was it just sort of took up less space and and I personally was less inspired by what I was seeing too around me and the mm. that's you know without my own critique of what I was seeing like ha- going on in the belly dance wars was less inspiring to me personally as an artist so uh, just it just like I just went in the direction and I never looked back but it's not like I would never do oriental dance again I, I'm not so interested in performing for myself but you know I, just, I do love the music and I love the mm-hmm. way it makes my body feel but but yeah it was just this natural kind of um, I'd say it's more of an artistic you know journey than like a choice I made mm-hmm. um, to do one over the other because you can do both you can definitely do both And there are many years I did both like I do a belly dance gig and then you'd be like okay I'm gonna include this or you know or or uh having contracts where you offer you're able to offer different things and it's just more of a choice to not to really focus on one yeah
0: Mm. but also one fascinating thing is that you also transitions mainly in the folklore styles that are not typically taught in belly dance school (laughs) Yeah. Like, we're not talking here about, like, Egyptian folklore. Right. Like, we're talking about Moroccan, Algerian, Iraqi. Yeah. Can you add? (laughs)
3: Tunisian. A lot of Khaliji. Those are my main styles. And a lot of other exploring, taking classes in... I would take whatever I could find, you know... uh, I was in a church basement with a Dubki troupe. I'm taking a class of some Turkish thing that I I, like. I was just like, I gotta discover everything. Yeah. I mean, I specialize, but so those aren't my specialties, but um, there's so much to know, you know.
0: And you also put the whole troupe just about those styles, based on those styles, folklore, not and troupe, which was uh, also commercially successful because Mm -hmm. like you have requests and gigs, but. Do you think the your interest in those specific stars, or maybe how fast you found those stars, was it anything influenced by uh, the place that you live now, but Montreal, or was it started regardless somewhere before you moved even?
3: I think it's both, actually. You know, I mean... I think it's a lot of things. Maybe it's a little bit of destiny that I ended up here too. Well, it's it's not that far of a leap from where I was before, only two hours away. But um, there was... I think there's a combination because I had been studying West African dance and I loved it, you know. And I had also been studying belly dance at that time. So I was studying these two dances, very Arabic and Egyptian belly dance and West African dance. And... I went to Af- uh, West Africa a few times, and ended up going to Morocco through that time. And there was this point, and being in 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 West Africa, all the countries I were in were um, more based in Muslim traditions. And so, hearing this, and and having the cultures of of mix not mixed cultures, but they were heavily dominated by the Arabic influence of Islam and stuff. And I was like, whoa, there's places where these things like kind of cross over, you know? And it piqued my interest. Like, I was like, whoa, these musics are, you know, we want to put things in boxes like this is this and this, but it's not quite, geography and cultures didn't, they don't stay like that. And I was like, wow, this is fascinating. And that piqued my interest. And then I ended up after that moving to Montreal where, I sort of stumbled into this large population of North African people. And I was like, this is like what like these rhythms just called to me this mixture of um, what I loved about the African nature of, I mean, I'm generalizing, but African music, but there's like an essence to it mixed with the Northern African stuff, which is, can be Berber, can be Arab, can be the tonality of singing. And I was like, this is, this is everything I've been looking for. (laughs) So um, it really drew me in. But then, so it's a little bit of destiny, a little bit of all of it together, you know, like, I mean, I had gone into flamenco, it didn't speak to, you know, Mm -hmm. how we choose our artistic path. It's just, it seemed natural for me to go into this. These these styles So uh, most of the Folkloric regions I've been most Interested in Are Have uh, African roots To them Which is uh, The gulf Like Khaliji too Has African I feel very connected To that part of it Which is maybe Some styles I love But they're Less connect to them Just personally But um, That's just been my Canadian girl here Who's been like <laughs> Obsessed uh, that's awesome. with African music Since I'm like 16 or Even younger um, But I don't know. It's what it is. So I connected to that part. But it's, um, yeah, it makes a little bit of destiny. Who knows how these artistic? you know, you looking back, I can see that now, but I didn't see the pieces. Uh...
0: They say you can connect dots on the looking backwards.
3: Yeah, but it, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And it feels natural. It doesn't feel like I chose them. It feels like that's where the, mm-hmm. you know, life took me. And it was a natural thing, you know.
0: And how did your learning uh, journey continue? uh, Because you mentioned that first you start Middle Eastern and like North African folklore with Egyptian, which is very typical for ballet dancer. But uh, then like now you're more into specializing more in like Moroccan and Berber and Tunisian. How was your learning process? Like did you literally got some teacher who inspired you or you got it from music I, mm-hmm. I keep hearing you talking again and again about music so it kind of gives yeah. me an idea that it's main your inspiration and yeah. inspiration to keep learning and discovering but because it's not a style that that's that easy to go and learn somewhere no. and especially it's very confusing what is true information and what is not true information uh, what you find on the internet or mm-hmm. someone told you like is it really the thing or are they just making it yeah. for you or someone put random thing on internet and just called it Moroccan dance?
3: Yeah. And, uh, to start with the music for me, all like, I mean, I've been dancing since I'm a kid and it was always about the music, you know, like that's what draw, drew me in the most. There's lots of great musics in the world too, but you know, some just speak to you like in a way that is just, if I don't love the music... I can't, you know, I just can't. That's the that's my gateway mm-hmm. to it. It's not the costumes. It's not the stage, it's not performing, it's the music, like that's, you know. So that's that's the big thing for me, but um the learning is difficult because there are f- so most of my learning like it happened a little bit by accident. So most of my learning in these styles was not through the dance world. Like belly dance school or classes, I had the odd workshop. You know, some teacher would be visiting who knew about something, some folkloric style. But it happened by act a little bit by accident. Um, and I'd say ninety five percent of all my teachers that I and I would say teachers in the sense of anybody who taught me um, were not from the Oriental dance community. They were so like the first. Experience was like a friend who said, Oh, I have a, fr- I'm dancing in this troupe. Like, you know, this Quebecois girl. And she said, Oh, it's an Algerian troupe. Do you, do you want to join? I was like, Okay. Like, I don't really know what that's about, you know? And it's like me and her and a bunch of, you know, everybody else is Algerian. And then that happened to me twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another group, which was just Berber Algerian. And these people were not in the dancy world. Like, they were just dancing within the communities. Um, they worked in the belly dance school and through that there were other teachers that appeared like people who were former artists, for example, who now live here, you know, uh, one guy who led that first group was a former folkloric dancer of a certain Algerian style in his region. So so okay you know but they're not people anybody would ever know like Mm -hmm. uh because in the dance world there's very very few teachers of these styles thank god there's a few more now but even then it's so limited and if you don't happen to be in those places it's hard to you know um really study so most of it's been through that like learning and it is hard to know you have to do a lot of research that's the anthropology part coming in the research part
0: I also know, and you just mentioned, that you, along with belly dance, you also specialize in Turkish-Romani dance. Uh, Yes. Can you tell a little bit um, what are connections or, I don't know, mutual, if there are any mutual crossroads between Turkish-Romani dance and uh, belly dance?
4: For me, it has the roots of it. Romani, like, you know, if you compare the some uh, movements in Turkish belly dance, you will see so many, so many uh, similarities, like the lots of like, uh, you know, lower ab movements and things. It's very, very uh, connected to the Romani. And it's not just belly dance. It's even like a Turkish, uh, like, you know, some of Turkish folk dances has those roots, too. Like, you know, when the Romani people made this big traveling from India, it's like uh, they brought uh, their dance everywhere. And right now you can even see in Turkey, we have some like a more preserved uh, dance forms in like in different regions, uh, folk dances in different regions. You can really see the difference there uh, with that dance and the Katak dance in India right now. It's because like, uh, you know, uh, and they, they have no connections, you know, it's because internet, before internet and things, they, they don't have any uh, connections, but because of that traveling, they brought so many, uh, you know, movements and uh, it's in so many styles of dance in Turkish and in other dances too. Like, you know, sometimes uh, I see the one specific movement in this dance and it's originally from, like, a, you know, Indian, uh, from Indian Katak dance, and it's really with the Romani people, it traveled all the way from to, uh, you know, Istanbul, or some other places in Turkey, and uh, for belly dance, it's also, like, uh, also, there we had, like, a lot of uh, Romani uh, uh, belly dancers uh, who were uh, Romani native uh, belly dancers, like, you know, and they know uh, their belly dance uh, Romani moves a lot, and they will put it in the belly dance. So we have that one, too. So, like, uh, even if they don't do, like, a Romani style in the belly dance, especially in drum solos and things, you see a lot of, like, lower ab movements, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, so... It's really, really affected. And Let me see others. Yeah. Is
0: it uh, it an important part of ballet dance uh, program uh, in Turkey? Or is it something that is sort of uh, uh, depends on the dancer? They may include some Turkish Romani song in their program. They may not. Or is it something that, oh, it's important really to have... uh, uh, then we are talking not just about one song but i don't know 10 20 minute show like uh, in this case
4: yeah in in turkey in turkey a lot of things changes too like mm-hmm. you know back then was different but like whole uh, like if you look at for like a, you know like a 80s 90s and 2000 and it's so many things are changing you know but uh back then normally and also, still, like if I'm gonna dance in some place, nobody gonna give me opportunity to do a Romani show. Mm-hmm. No, it's like a you know, uh, it's they don't take a, in like showcases. It doesn't they for the people. It's like it doesn't take that much attention, you know. It's like a, they don't want to make a separate uh, Romani show. They think it's it might be boring, you know. So. Uh, then uh, Turkish, uh, not Turkish belly dancers, uh, Romani native uh, belly dancers, they would perform Romani in their belly dance show. Mm-hmm. Then what happens, like, you know, the girls, they cannot change costume or they cannot change their shoe. And they had to perform with a high heel and belly dance costume. You know, it's for me too, when I'm going to perform Romani, I put it in my songs, uh, you know, and usually I put it after drum solo. Then I don't have a chance to actually, you know, uh, go change costume or take off my shoes, and you know. Then the movement looks different. But if I was on my barefoot and if I was in my Romani costume, then I would dance differently too. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, it's very hard, uh, like, you know, it's to make like a, romani show like that and uh, so but in u.s is also other countries is different because you can do a show and then you can do full uh you know romani show Mm -hmm. and then it becomes more richer and richer and you do more movements so it's for me it's it's very hard to perform romani like like the origin way you know Mm -hmm. and it's it has to be a festival happening in Istanbul or something or, uh, or some kind of like a, uh, some kind of like recording that I do it for myself or something. Or maybe with a, some kind of like a Romani band, you know, then you could do it, but it's very hard. This episode was brought
0: to you by the Yana Dance Club, bringing more consistency and more fun into your dance training online. Check it out at yanadanceclub.com, direct link in the show notes. And before you leave, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends, as well as leave a review on iTunes or any other app you're using to listen to the show. The more people know about this podcast, the easier it is for me to bring even more awesome guests. Until next time, keep shimming and keep dancing.